The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Sam and Brian from DCL Duo come to share with us their experience on a three-night Disney cruise because Disney Cruise is back to sailing. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, or you can use me as your travel agent. I can book Disney World, Disney Cruise Line, or really anything at no cost to you. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes, and I am not joined by Joe today here on Disney Deciphered. Joe is taking the week off. That's actually the first week he has taken off since we've been podcasting together. So Joe, enjoy your break. It's very well-deserved. And in Joe's absence today, we're lucky to have two very special guests. As you might know, Disney Cruise Line is sailing again after a roughly gosh, 16-month hiatus, and Joe and I have cruised cruised DCL before, but only just a little bit. So we definitely decided it was time to bring on some experts to talk all about this return to cruising. So today, I'm joined by Disney Cruise Line experts, Brian and Sam. They are the couple behind the DCL Duo podcast and vlog. So welcome, Brian. Welcome, Sam. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for, so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. I don't, I don't know if we consider ourselves experts as much as enthusiasts, but yes, uh, we'll, we'll try to devotees. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, little known fact by most folks, I actually had the chance to meet Brian and Sam at Alani a month ago. We were overlapping by a day, so I stopped by their cabana. You guys were living it up and said hello. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's nice to meet some fellow podcasters in real life. It's great to have those little reunions. And especially in these times and, and you know, post, post-COVID times or, I guess, current COVID times. Absolutely. Brian and Sam, why don't you just give us a little bit of background about sort of your Disney history, your, how you became podcasters and what you like to cover? Yeah, I mean, the, the story goes that it was my birthday back in 2000 and. 18 and we decided to book or I wanted to book a cruise so we've done this thing where for milestone birthdays we've said you get the vacation of your choice and so I decided I want to do a cruise reached out to a friend who worked in the cruising industry and uh, asked him who would you sail if you want to take a fabulous cruise and he said Disney Cruise Line and I said really we don't have we don't have kids or we're not bringing our son uh, at that point we did have we did have our son then but we weren't bringing him and he said I'm a, a gay man and I don't have children either and my husband and I sail on Disney Cruise Line all the time so we took him up on the offer and after stepping aboard the ship we fell down the rabbit hole or went through the looking glass whatever the analogy you want to use is and we have now been on this was our seventh Disney cruise since uh what, January of 2018, uh, including a year of shutdown where DVC members, bi-coastal annual pass holders, love to visit Disneyland on the weekends, Disney World, 
we get out there less just because we're on the West Coast. And now we're Alani devotees, too. We love we love Alani and are heading back at Christmas. We have another six Disney cruises planned between now and next September. Holy moly. So did yeah. Disney Cruise start the Disney fandom or were you going to Disneyland, Disney World before that? You know, that's that's a great question, Leslie. Um, we were both Disney fans as kids. I would say probably myself more than Brian. And I went to Walt Disney World's 25th anniversary for my 16th birthday. So that was the thing I wanted to do. Not a sweet 16 party. I wanted to go to Disney World. So I have always been a, a big Disney fan. And early on in our marriage, I had tried to convince Brian that we should go to Disney World or Disneyland, that we should, you know, that we should visit the parks. He was like, no, that's not for really, you know, a young, you know, 20 something, 30 something couple. Like let's, we'll, we'll do that when we have kids. So it was actually the Disney cruise line that pulled us back into the Disney universe, to be perfectly honest. Oh, that's totally awesome. And, you know, actually, I have kind of a little bit of a of a similar story because I took quite a hiatus at some point, like, I guess, maybe my college and young adult years going to Disney. I went a lot as a kid and then have going far more as an adult. So great. I think a lot of people probably have rediscovered it, you know, in a different generation. So that's, that's exactly. really cool. So, well, let's get to the reason we have you guys on. Uh, you guys just got off of the Disney Dream on a three-night cruise. So give us a little background. What cruise did you take? Where did it go? What were your dates? So we were on the three-night sailing of the Dream that left on August 19th and returned on August 23rd. And it was a double dip to Castaway Key with no other port stops or sea days. So it was to Castaway Key and then right back to Port Canaveral. Wonderful. Well, I know the question everybody is talking about when it comes to cruising right now is COVID safety. So why don't you give folks a little bit of an overview of what DCL's policy is and then how that policy translated into what you experienced, you know, vaccine requirements, testing, all of that good stuff. So Disney Cruise Line partnered with a uh, third-party partner named uh, Safe Passage. And what you had to do prior to the cruise was you had to, if you were vaccinated, you had to upload your vaccination information to be verified. And if you were not vaccinated, you needed to get a PCR COVID test between five days and 24 hours prior to embarkation. So right before you cruised, you needed to get a a PCR test. And then when you got to the port, if you were unvaccinated, you had to additionally do a rapid COVID test basically at the parking garage or at the um, sort of mobile testing facilities right at Port Canaveral. So everyone coming in had to either be vaccinated or double COVID tested, basically. Sorry, I was just going to say, just to clarify, that is the regulation right now, or the, the requirements right now. Disney Cruise Line is constantly updating and changing policies. So actually, as of September 3rd forward on all sailings aboard the Dream and the Fantasy going to the Bahamas, you will have to show proof of vaccination if you are over the age of 12. And so they won't be doing, at this point, testing, except for those under the 12 or under. Uh, so that's one thing. And then the name of the, the company, the third party, the website is called Safe Passage. The company is called Inspire. They do all of the, the data collection through Inspire for the in the COVID testing through Inspire. Got it. Got it. I know you were traveling with your son who's too young to be vaccinated. So how was the testing experience with him? Stressful? <laughs> seam- seamless? What, what was your take? Both. <laughs> yeah, the, the administration of the test is, he's been swabbed so many times now because he was at a camp where they wanted to swab. And, you know, anytime we get sick, we have a bunch of those Binax now at home testing kits. And so we will just grab one and do a quick swab and 
do the test. So the actual testing process wasn't terrible. They hand it to you in the car, you do it yourself or for your little one. Uh, and so that was fine. I'd say the nerve wracking part was waiting. It took a really long time to get the test results back, well longer than the estimated time they gave us when they swabbed him. And so I think they had said 30 minutes to 45 minutes. 35 minutes hits, we're a wreck. 45 minutes hits, it's a disaster. <laughs> An hour comes by, and now I'm convinced that we're just in a pile of paperwork somewhere to get a phone call from Disney to reschedule or whatever it is. So, it, you know, uh, someone before the cruise told us, pack your patient's pants, and that is ex- absolutely <laughs> the, uh, the theme of the day right now is it's taking a lot longer for them to get through the testing than I think they anticipated. Right. And what Brian's talking about is the rapid test at the port. So we had to arrange for the test, the PCR test ahead of time. So we did that through a private lab. There's a bunch of them around the country. Um, you can do it through some of these, you know, pharmacies like Walgreens and CVS. Some of them, some of them will do that as well. The problem with those is you're not guaranteed to get a good enough sample if you're doing it yourself. And so if you go with one of these labs that either takes the sample themselves or watches you take the sample real carefully, they will have a better idea whether or not you're sticking that swab up high enough in order to get a, a decent sample. So we did it through the private lab. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Brian might remember. We have a, an outfit here called Discovery Health that set up testing centers just for travel, and we had used them for Hawaii, actually. And they actually will turn around a rapid test in 30 minutes, a PCR test in one day or uh, overnight, depending on what you pay. So we, we've had a great experience with them. Got it. Got it. It sounds like there maybe are more testing options for DCL than say Alani, because I know mm-hmm. one thing that we had <laughs> was a difficulty in finding a testing partner for Alani. We happened, I mean, where we live in the San Francisco Bay Area had plenty, but we found ourselves in a more remote area before we headed out to Alani, and it was a big pain to find a testing partner. So seems yep. like it's a little more broadly based at least. Yes, they did not require a particular testing partner, just the type of test. So you could go anywhere that gave you that test, but then you had to upload your results. So that was the important part. And you can order a test to take it home through Inspire. So on the website for Inspire, they at safedcl.safepassage, they uh, they have the ability about five days before your cruise or maybe a little bit earlier, you can order a test to be sent to your home, take the test, send it back, and they will handle it from there. So you do have that ability as well. I know we're talking all these logistics, so I'm going to ask you one more logistics question and then get to the fun part. So how was the safety, COVID safety on board? What was the capacity of the cruise that you experienced? Did you see a lot of like modifications in terms of social distancing or one-way passages, things like that once you got onto the ship? So yes, there were excellent protocols in place on the cruise line in a, in a in a myriad of ways. Obviously, everyone was required to be masked when inside unless you were sitting down eating and drinking and stationary. And even in the theater, if you were drinking, you weren't allowed to eat in the theaters. But even if you were drinking in the theater, you were supposed to just, you know, pull your mask down, take a sip and then put your mask back up. So if you were at a bar or dinner at your own table, you could take your mask off completely. But pretty much everywhere indoors, masking was required. Outdoors on the pool deck, of course, you didn't have to wear your mask. Other things like limited capacity for, uh, for example, the bars, right? So trivia maxed out. There were not, you know, the bar could not be at full normal capacity and much smaller or lower capacity. Um, The entire ship that we sailed on, I think it's about 4,200 passengers is kind of a typical full capacity. We were only sailing with 
maybe I think less than 1500. We don't know the exact number, but somewhere between, you know, around 1400 or 1500 at the, at the most. So much lower numbers of people on board, social distancing at all of the places that people might queue, even uh, the normal guest relations desk. You actually did a lot of it through the app. Instead of going in person, you could sort of chat to a guest relations cast member and get assistance through the app. And only if they couldn't help you through the app did you have to go you know, in person. In the theater, when you were seated for a show uh, in the main theater, you had, I think it was three seats between you and the next party, and they were only seating every other row. So there was significant distance. And then in, the main, in all of the main dining rooms, the tables were spaced out significantly. And the dining times, normally there's a, an early dining and a late dining. Instead of just doing an early and a late dining, they actually spaced people out where their dining times were like 20 or 30 minutes apart. And so even everyone in early dining wasn't arriving at the same time and waiting outside of the restaurant. Yeah, I'd, I'd liken it right now, uh, Leslie, to be perfectly honest, to what it was like when Disney World first reopened and Disney was being on top of it in terms of the protocols uh, and really enforcing things. And so with the reduced capacity, the strong enforcement of the protocols on board and at Castaway Key, it felt both fun and reasonably safe and also really empty. It was, I mean, it was not empty, empty, but if you looked out at Castaway Key, you could look out there and be like, I feel like I can count the number of people out there on one hand. That's not true, but that's, it felt very Mm-hmm. very empty. So, and there were there were little things like for the Cove Cafe, which is a coffee bar, there's there's two entrances to that area, but it's pretty small and they had one was an enter and one was an exit door instead of normally you could go in and out both of them. Um picking up kids at the kids club or dropping off kids uh, kids at the kids club, the hallway was a one-way hallway and only one parent was allowed to do drop off or pick up, right? So, things like that that they did to just decrease the amount of people sort of milling about in a particular area were really effective. And the big one, there was like no self-service food. Yes. So buffets, which <laughs> are the hallmark of cruises, instead of cabanas is normally divided basically into two mirrored buffets. So like on you go on the right side or the left side, you're getting the same food as you make your way toward the back of the ship. And then you meet at the coveted dessert bar. This time when you walked in, there were basically like five stations all serving the same food. And you walked up, a cast member would get a plate from behind the counter, point to what you wanted, they would fill it. They would hand you the plate and there was no handing the plate back at that point. I mean, you couldn't go to a another station handed to them and have more stuff put on, they would get you a new plate. Got it. Got it. It really does sound like how Disney World was almost exactly a year ago when when things reopened there. I mean, like kind of rewinding in time. And, you know, obviously Disney has gotten this down after practicing in so many different places. I mean, Disney Cruise Line is the last place to join, the last of the all the Disney I thought, uh, maybe Adventures by Disney hasn't started yet, but yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. all the all the parks worldwide, you know, Alani, all of that. So maybe do you restart with private tours? That's what they. That's, ah, that's, what right. they got back that's up. right. Well, and it's that's funny right. because you know Disney World is kind of reopened to almost to where it appears like the pandemic's still not you know not still happening. DCL, you go on it and you're like everything is very much like when Walt Disney World reopened. Right. Well, let's talk some of the fun stuff. You mentioned a couple of things, the activities that you did and sort of what you experienced. Uh, Let's start first with the shows, because DCL is definitely known for its high quality shows. So what did you see and what did you think about it? 
Yeah. So um, I'll answer this question because Brian skipped the show. Um, (laughs) And I say the show, normally you would have on a three night cruise, you would typically have two different shows. Uh, In these COVID times, they are only doing one show on a three night cruise. I think on a four night cruise, you get two. So we only had Disney's Beauty and the Beast on board our cruise. It's a fantastic show. If you haven't seen it before on the Disney Dream, it is just an incredible stage show. It's won awards. It's very high tech, uses a lot of special effects. That being said, they had some technical issues. I do think it's hard for them because they're just sort of resuming after this long hiatus and getting all of the technology working back up to speed is a little bit of a bumpy ride. So the show was amazing despite the technical difficulties because Disney just knows how to do entertainment, knows how to do stage shows. Beauty and the Beast, I think, is my favorite of the stage shows that I have seen on Disney Cruise Line. With one caveat, I have not yet seen Tangled on the Disney magic. So (laughs) yeah, I've never been on the dream. So I haven't seen the show, but glad to hear they're, you know, slowly working out the kinks. And of course, you know, I hope guests are understanding because I mean, (laughs) it has been a long break and these things are a little bit, you know, you need to oil the joints a little bit to make sure that they still work. So exactly. And in the, in the Buena Vista theater, they had movies going as well. So they had, you know, Jungle Cruise was playing and Black Widow was playing a couple of other things as well. And in the main theater, the second night they had Jungle Cruise playing in the main theater as well. Uh, I heard you mention Kids Club. That was one thing that all of us missed at Aulani because the Kids Club uh, Auntie's Beach House was not open while we were there, but it sounds like it is open on Disney Cruise Line on the Dream. So how is it working right now? It's very limited. So I know one of the hallmarks of going on a Disney cruise is being able to drop your kids off at the Kids Club and go off and have some adult time. Right now, that opportunity is pretty limited. The Kids Club on board the ship, you have to pre-book times. And online, it will tell you you get about two and a half hours of time per day you know, for your kids. In actuality, what they're doing is when you check your kids in, they are grouping them together and then they are moving them between, there's like five or six, maybe a few more rooms in the kids club. And what they're doing is letting the kids spend 10 to 15 minutes in each room, moving them as a group to the next room and then cleaning the room behind them so they can bring in a new group of kids. And so the kids are having a pretty structured rotation through the kids club as opposed to the sort of normal free-for-all, oh, I want to go spend more time in Woody's room. I want to play video games. I want to do arts and crafts. It's a very sort of structured time with activities and it ends up being closer to about 90 minutes uh, actuality and they that's it uh, once they're out of the club they're good they're done and so on board the ship you're getting about 90 minutes of time right now that can make it tough to do things like adult dining on board mm-hmm. um, for families with kids and so you know right now we're kind of telling you know our listeners and others out there that if you take a disney cruise because you just want to be free of your kids <laughs> for hours at a time you're not going to get that right now this is much more of a traditional family vacation now scuttles cove on castaway key is open right now and it does stick a little bit closer to the two and a half hour time limit. So we had a Palo brunch on the day that we were at Castaway Key. It was a little bit of a you know logistical hassle, but Sam got off the ship, dropped our son off at the Castaway Key Scuttles Cove, came back to the ship. Then we had brunch and we basically just told our server, we only have about 90 minutes and then we have to go back to our room, change, get off and go get our, get our son from Scuttles Cove because they were closing at one. And so it worked. Uh, because Scuttles was open, but uh, it's still limited even there, even though it's all outdoors, it's two and a half hours and that's it. Got it. Yeah. It sounds like it does add some, some planning and logistics. Was it hard to get the reservation time that you wanted or was that fairly, fairly reasonable? 
That part was easy at the kids club on the ship. um, Now they weren't open the morning hours when we were at Castaway Key. They didn't open the ship kids club until one thirty in the afternoon. So that's the only issue is you could only book afternoon hours. Otherwise we would have booked him on the ship kids club while we were at Palo since we were on the ship, but that just wasn't an option. But for the hours they were open, it was actually really easy. Availability was not an issue at all. We, we also didn't have a ton of kids on our sailing. That's the other yes. piece of this. So, right. you know, the capacity was not an issue. So you could get times pretty readily. Um, they still would limit you to the two and a half hours a day, though. And that was it. Yeah. And that's probably going to continue throughout the fall because, I mean, you guys aren't back in school yet, I guess, where you live. But most of the country is. So that probably will keep things low throughout the fall until the holidays start ticking around. So let's talk about uh, the pools. What's the situation, you know, like the scramble for, for space? How busy <laughs> is it? Uh, everybody wants to ride the aqueduct. <laughs> How did that work? Yeah, Actually, had, go ahead, Brian. Since we had two stops at Castaway Key, it was not bad. So a lot of people got off the ship, and if they didn't get off the ship, then they would go to the pool. And so we didn't have much trouble finding, like, a lounger to sit in. The small kids' pool was practically in empty all of the time and the water was heated and so it was kind of unbearable like the lifeguard was making jokes and it was like a giant hot tub in there uh the main pool the bigger pool right in front of the funnel vision on the ship uh that was limiting itself to 15 people at a time and so you would queue up in a line they would let 13 15 people in they'd set a timer for 15 minutes and at the end of 15 minutes they'd blow the whistle everyone would get out and then the next group would come in uh, oh, if you could, wow. <laughs> if, you could, if you could get out and walk around and get back in, you were totally fine to do that. There was no limitation on you, you know, having to not be in there, but you did have to get out of the pool and walk around. And so it was glorious as compared to what it normally is on Disney Cruise sure. Line, which is just wall to wall people in the pool. I'm sure this won't be popular in the long run, but I actually hope that they kind of keep some version of this for the time being, because it just it, it was nice to get in, get a little dip, get out. Right. And then, you know, you can go back a little later. And most of the time, there really wasn't a line of people waiting. So most of the time, if you went over the pool, there were not enough people in there that you had to wait often. Most of the time, you could just go right in throughout most of the cruise. Same with the uh, the aqueduct is another thing that we, we, we did go on the aqueduct. When we went, there was no line. I mean, there were maybe like three or four people in front of us, and that was it. So very easy to get on, you know, into any of the pools, very easy to get on the aqueduct. The one thing I would say is there was only, I think, one hot tub in the family pool area. And because there was only allowed to be like one party or like two families or something in either side of it that you might have to wait for. So there were some things if you really wanted to go in a hot tub and you had kids with you, you might have to wait for that. The adults only area though was, you know, there was never a line to get into that pool or anything like that. I would emphasize for folks out there that right now they're doing these double dips on a three night we're parked at Castaway Key. So there's plenty of ocean and other things going on. So like the capacity of the pool may be a little bit impacted by that on a sea day i could see the answer being a little different in terms of what the pool looked like and disney's going to be ending the double dips at castaway key across these sailings i think starting in september so they're just doing it right now but once the fantasy really gets back up and running i don't think castaway can handle having both ships in there you know for double dips well how about the characters what were the character meet and greets like on the ship was it similar to what we experienced at alani at a distance or yep how did they run it yeah 
Yeah, very similar to Aulani、um, in that there were characters behind a rope, and they would be, you know, on the balcony in the atrium at set times for pictures.、Uh, Mickey and Minnie primarily, but even you know the other、uh, parts of the Fab Five. And then you'd see characters kind of roaming around different places. If you were on the pool deck, I mean, we saw Captain Hook and Smee one day. We saw Pluto that same day.、Uh, you'd see Goofy walking around, and so. They would kind of、uh, walk around, and you could take a quick selfie with them, you know, socially distanced. So very similar to what we saw at Aulani with socially distanced characters,、uh, but lots of characters, and you really didn't feel like you were missing out. It wasn't as many. We were only on a three-night cruise, but I didn't see like any of the Toy Story characters, for example. So sometimes on those like seven-night cruises, you get to see a lot more characters, but we definitely got to see the Fab Five multiple times. That's great, and and cavalcades on Casuaki, so yeah, yes. They, they had, oh wow! Yeah, they had, okay. They had, I mean, not like the parade style cavalcades. What they did is they have a couple of like beachcomber kind of vehicles. One, they have characters kind of out in stations, so as you drive by on the tram or something, you can kind of wave to the characters and such. But they also have the characters out in these like beachcomber kind of vehicles, just driving around、uh, and waving, and and you can do selfies with them that way. That sounds not too shabby. So sounds、yeah. like they're doing characters right. I felt really happy with what we experienced at Alani. So it sounds like they're they're not skimping on those right now.、So、that's great. One last topic, I guess, to cover of sort of the how things went on board. How about the food and dining? Did you guys think the variety was as good as it usually is? The service as good as it usually is? Service was excellent. I mean, the service was was I think even better than we've experienced in the past. It was really、uh, Sam called this out on the show that we have out about our trip report, and the cast members were really going out of their way to say hello, really、uh, make your experience magical, kind of thing. Because I think、uh, it's hard for them to just you know give you a smile or something when they're wearing a mask, and so they were really, really one excited to be there, two going above and beyond, and then as you know our serving team. Was amazing with our son. They were doing all the typical games and jokes and riddles and stuff to keep him entertained throughout dinner. The food was the same menus that we've, we've experienced on Disney Cruise Line. A few dishes actually seemed like they had been upgraded a little bit. We had a pasta dish in Animator's Palette, a penne pasta that frankly tasted better than we ever remembered it tasting. That could be 19 months of being away from sailing, but it, it seemed like there were a few dishes they had tweaked and, and made better. And we heard over time a couple of things that maybe they changed the recipe a little bit. Uh, so, but all the food options were there. Standard menus, we weren't missing a thing. Every night, our server was bringing us, you know, here's a plate of something for the table. So,、um, <laughs> because I really want you to try it. We didn't get to experience Remy, but we've heard even with the new menu, new menus, the a la carte menus, that sort of stuff, it's, it's still great. We were at Palo Brunch. Food at Palo, as good as it's ever been. Service as impeccable、uh, as it's ever been. Uh, our only critique of the food on board that I can think of is that at Palo Brunch there were a few fan favorites that were missing in the new format. So for those who don't know, Palo at Brunch is usually you can order、uh, food off of a menu. There's some really great Italian food items that they have there because Palo is an Italian-focused restaurant. They also have breakfast items that we tend to tell people steer away from because you can get them <laughs> across the ship in other places.、Uh, so the Italian food items were all the standards were there. But they also have a buffet that you get to go to, and obviously that buffet is not running. And it would have things like all kinds of fresh seafood and caviar and pastries, including one of my favorites, sticky buns, and a whole dessert table. And so that is all gone. Everything is menu ordered now. And they do have—they're kind of replicating the buffet by offering some antipasti plates, basically. But that means you know no caviar, 
uh, no crab legs. I mean, there's some small crab legs on the on the antipasti plate, but you know, before you could take five or six of these things if you wanted. No arancini, which is a fan favorite. No caramel covered sticky buns, which is a huge fan favorite. So overall, the food was great. I think there are just probably a few options that were missing that mm-hmm. are fan favorites. So. Yeah. The other thing I would say is cabanas. The food is much more limited than it normally is because they don't have these two full lines. Instead, they have like five or six different stations that all look identical to one another. So there were no Mickey waffles at breakfast. Um, you could go to the main dining rooms and you could get apparently Mickey waffles at those breakfasts, but not in cabanas. There was no omelet station and there were no pre-made omelets in cabanas. So all you had for eggs were the not very good scrambled eggs in the big chafing dishes. So um, I'm I'm being kind on the not very good. Um, Yeah. So there were some, there were some limitations with cabanas, which is normally the buffet style eating. Uh, So one of the things that we, we didn't do, but we should have done was done was go to the main dining room for breakfast. It's just much easier to go to cabanas. We only went to cabanas the one day, uh, because the next day we had Paulo brunch. So it wasn't a huge miss for us, but it is something to be aware of that it's not the same as before if you're looking for that exact same experience. Yeah, very good to know. I mean, it certainly sounds like even though there's some some small misses, it's in a better place out of the gate than Disneyland was with its dining, which was oh my just God. beyond their deck. <laughs> yes. I mean, it still is. Yes. So, uh, you you are better. spot on on that, Leslie. Spot on. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I, you know, that's something. We'll take we'll take those those kinds of wins for sure. Yeah. I should, so I should, uh, I should say really okay. fast though. Too one more thing on dining. Castaway Key dining is as typical as it as it has been. Uh, and the food was just as good. So it, it is a, you know, Castaway Key is uh, cookies and cookies too, and then Serenity Bay barbecue, much like Cabana's on board, they're serving you. All of the food options were there. There were even a few kind of new-ish featured food options, like a brisket sandwich, and they bring out spicy chicken because it was a double dip and like all that sort of stuff. So the food on Castaway Key was also as good as it's ever been. Wonderful. Well, while we're, while we're on the topic of Castaway Key, why don't you tell us you got two full days there, which people you know, are dying for those double dip castaway key <laughs> trips are usually very popular. And now the dream is doing that, you know, all the time right now. So what was your experience on castaway key? And, and uh, was it the double dip everything you hope for? Oh, my God, it's amazing. Yeah, but your listeners can send the flame mail to DCL duo. Uh, because <laughs> We only got off on castaway the first day. And then we got off to get our son and bring him back and spend the day by the pool because we didn't, we wanted to experience the pool a little bit. So our first day we spent on Castaway Key at a cabana and had a blast, but we did not take full advantage of the, uh, the double dip this time around. So yeah, but we spent, to be fair, Brian, we spent the entire day that first day on Castaway Key. I mean, we were there in the morning, we got off at the you know very beginning of the day, and we were there basically until the island closed down when you have to board, right? Um, so the second day, well, after we got Nathan from the kids club, it was really hot. It was already you know mid afternoon, and so we were like, let's go to the pool, let's do the aqueduct, let's see what the pools are like. And we you know we didn't have a sea day, so that was our only opportunity to really experience the the pool deck of the ship. Got it. Well, it sounds like you got your money's worth when it came to Castaway Key. So, and you and you guys have been there plenty of times before. So, it sounds like a great a great time. So, I'd like to sort of just get your overall take. It sounds like you had a fabulous trip, even with you know whatever modifications or small discomforts that you experienced. But did you think this trip was worth it? Uh, did you feel safe on the Disney Dream? 
I felt as safe aboard the dream as I did going to Hawaii. Like that's, that's kind of the way that I look at it. They have pretty similar protocols, if not even a little bit more protocols and the destination is then kind of a COVID bubble. I would say going forward after September 3rd, when they're enforcing the vaccination requirements on board for 12 and older, I would feel even safer uh, at that point. And so I think if you can stomach getting there, like, you know, the airport still feels like a mass of people. The airplane obviously is, you know, no, you know, the middle seats are all packed again. So that feels to me like the safety element, like that's where the safety element comes in. We also rented a car because we didn't want to take uh, cruise line transportation or shared transportation out to the port and risk having, you know, someone within that transportation test positive and then not know like what the outcome of that would be. Would like the whole bus get disqualified with people in a certain number of rows between them. So we just decided to rent a car. So we landed at MCO. We did stay at Animal Kingdom. We did have dinner at Sanaa beforehand, but we were pretty limited getting into the cruise. And then once we were on the cruise, it, you know, aside from having to wear a mask inside, it was relaxing. It was fun. And I, and I felt totally safe given all the effort and the protocols that uh, they had put in place. But Sam, I don't know if you agree. I 100% agree. I, I felt very safe. And then on the, is it worth it? Absolutely. I mean, we've been dying to get back on a ship, of course, safely. Um, and so we've been waiting with bated breath for Disney Cruise Line to resume operations uh, in the United States. Obviously, they, they resumed in the UK before they resumed in the United States. So we were sort of watching and waiting. And this was actually a last minute decision. We did not have something booked for August. We had originally had something booked for July, but then realized very easily, quickly that was not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I w- I'm very happy we went on this cruise. The only regret is that it wasn't longer than three nights. <laughs> That's right. Those three night cruises are just never long enough and certainly not after the long absence. So yep. where is your next trip? Uh, when's your next sailing on, on Disney Cruise Line? Our next sailing is over Thanksgiving week. Um, uh, assuming operations resume for seven-day cruises, uh, we will be on the Fantasy out of Port Canaveral, a double dip again to Castaway. Uh, this one also stops at NASA, I believe, uh, assuming they don't alter the itinerary. And uh, we'll be having a very merry time cruise and enjoying Thanksgiving on the Disney Fantasy. Wonderful. Well, if folks want to continue to follow your... Disney Cruise Adventures, let everybody know where they can find you and do that. Uh, We are the DCL Duo, so you can find our podcast anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts. Just search for DCL Duo, two words, uh, on the podcasting front. And so we're available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can connect with us on social media at uh, DCL Duo on Twitter, at DCL underscore Duo, because we were a little late to Instagram with our name, but DCL underscore Duo on Instagram. And we're also on Facebook as the DCL Duo. We have a page and actually a group there that you can join. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash DCL Duo. We're not huge vloggers, but we do like to put out videos related to our trips. And we actually just put out our Alani video uh, yesterday. So. Wonderful. I haven't watched it yet, so I'm going to be queuing that up. So uh, Joe and I always end with a Disney do or don't. Do you have a, a parting tip for folks who want to know more about Disney Cruise Line? Sure. Um, I'm going to give you the, a don't. For right now, don't do breakfast at Cabana's if you're on Disney Cruise Line. Go to one of the main dining rooms and have a sit-down breakfast where you can order Mickey waffles and order really good eggs. 
<laughs> excellent, excellent tip. Very important. Well, thank you both for joining us here today. It was great to get to live vicariously through your Disney Cruise experience. For our listeners, if you have questions and things you want to share with us about Disney Cruise Line, if you've been on a DCL sailing or are planning one in the near, in the near future, please let us know. You can tweet at us at WDW Deciphered on Twitter, or you can find us on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Joe, we will see you on the next episode after your break. And in Joe's absence, my traditional thanks, Joe ending doesn't quite work here. So I'll just say (laughs) welcome back to Disney Cruise Line and happy sailing, everyone. (laughs) 